Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 157 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, January 16th, 2014, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Skiffy. And I'm Jace. That's right, folks. Tony and James are both out tonight. So joining us today is uh, our community guest host, Jace. Jace, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I'm pretty much a lifelong Trek fan, having grown up on reruns of the original series and, yes, the animated series, too. It was a huge deal uh, for me and for my family, really, uh, when TNG debuted. I was 11. Gaming-wise, I've played a ton of MMOs from EverQuest through World of Warcraft to, naturally, STO since launch. STO is actually the only MMO that's uh, held my interest over the last few years, which I ascribe to ground versus space versus doffing and so on, mixing things up, uh, keeping the gameplay fresh for me. All right, awesome. Well, thank you for joining us this week. And joining us this week is Skiffy, our two-time Emmy Award-winning audio engineer. Skiffy. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Thanks for letting me be a guest host. Now, you've never really had the opportunity of, of really introducing yourself to the community, Skiffy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your two-time Emmy Award-winning self? I've been following Star Trek I mean, since I don't even remember when I started watching. It was during TNG, but I, I've just been watching since I was like in the first grade. Uh, and then I started playing Stowe in open beta, and from there I kind of took a hiatus for a little bit. I, I left the game for about a year, then came back uh, just before free-to-play, right about right around the winter event before they went free-to-play, and I've been uh, addicted to the game ever since. Well, gentlemen, thank you both for joining me, uh, particularly on such short notice. So, Skiffy, let's jump right in. What do we have in store this week? All right, well, this week we check out an amazing and comical revision to Star Trek XI's trailer. In Stowe News, there is plenty to talk about, from the announcement that Dan Stahl is moving to another cryptic project, hoo-hoo, uh, to the return of Steven D'Angelo as executive producer, and his first dev blog back in the captain's chair of Star Trek Online. What could this mean for Stowe? What's coming in Season 8.5? We'll tell you in a bit. In other Stowe News, Star Trek Online designer Jesse Heinig invites players to retry several newly retouched episodes in the Federation's Klingon War story arc. In this week's Community Spotlight, Chivalry Bean offers a foundry review of A Relic's Return, Parts 1 and 2 by Armsman. And of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. 
Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. My plan is to start the year off strong and hit up the Philadelphia Star Trek convention full force. What I would like to do is pick up a a nice little new microphone, nothing overly expensive, but something that'll better handle interviews with attendees and maybe even some of the special guests attending. Rumor has it that um, Captain Janeway will be in attendance. But we could use your help to get some of the simple equipment to make these interviews sound as professional as our weekly shows. A very special thank you to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a regular basis to Priority One Podcast. Without your ongoing support, we would definitely not be able to continue going. We, we really appreciate it, guys. Uh, if you'd like to donate, check us out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. In their latest blog, L, Vinny, and Adorpheus invite players to celebrate Star Trek by participating in charity events around your area. Area, Trek style. Trek it out and more only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, let's trek out a derped up version of JJ's Star Trek trailer. Then let's trek it out. I gotta say, I love bloopers. As a Priority One listener, I look forward each week to the blooper reel. Ah, that bittersweet moment where though the episode is nearly over, I at least get the treat of hearing some goofy behind-the-scenes antics before our time together is at an end. Not to mention that this usually coincides with me arriving at work on a Monday morning. So it's only fitting that this week we trek out a fantastic fan-recut trailer for 2009's Star Trek by J.J. Abrams, mashing up outtakes with the audio and pacing of the original trailer for the film. I never knew how much dancing went on in Starfleet. Even those who may not be the biggest fans of the J.J. Abrams Trek will find plenty to enjoy here, with Nero possibly sharing your opinion on the matter, and a cameo from Spock Prime expressing himself in a way not very typically vulgar. Star Trek Derp Edition is the fourth in a series of Derp Edition recuts by Slactory, the self-proclaimed only blog about the internet which is a comedic blog about pop culture that has been around since July 2011. Previous entries in the Derp Edition series to date have lampooned Star Wars, The Avengers, and Die Hard. You know, I'm a big fan of bloopers, too. You know, especially, you get that DVD or the Blu-ray, and the first thing I, I go to in the special features are the bloopers. I don't even really care about the movie. I care about the blooper reel. And this is a real nice... Uh, splice of the Star Trek blooper reel into into a trailer. It's just it's very funny, very very comical. Yeah, they did a good job with it. And I have to agree with you. The uh one of my favorite parts about the Next Generation Blu-ray re-releases has been all the fantastic outtakes. Yes, 100% hands down. Yeah, it's so much fun. I could watch the bloopers forever. I uh I tend to log onto YouTube and watch blooper cut every every week or so at least. I have to say the other thing that's really exciting about this is that Star Trek is hitting mainstream pop culture again you know and and people are paying attention to it in so far that they're making trailers like this that's true to get a good quality 
fan recut trailer for Star Trek is, I mean, have we really even gotten to see much of that in the in the internet YouTube era? There's been a couple others. There was uh, there was a recut trailer for the the new movies, and there's also uh, what was it the Screen Junkies guys, the ones that do the animated. Yes, I have seen that one, and there's one edition of the of the trailer for Into Darkness that they do with figurines. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that one. But what I'm saying though is that it, it's awesome to see that it's back in the forefront in the forefront of pop culture again. You know that Star Trek is is getting paid attention to in such a way that. You know, these little parodies are being shown, and people get it, right? Because people saw the film. Captains, we encourage you to to check out the video. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. And we want to remind you, if you discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about, then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. So let's check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captain on the bridge? So, if you haven't already heard, Captains, Daniel Stahl, our executive producer of Star Trek Online, has, once again, resigned from his position. Now, many of you may recall that this is not the first time Mr. Stahl has stepped down from the captain's chair. Back in the fall of 2011, Mr. Stahl had left Cryptic to pursue a career at Zynga, the mobile game developer. And from October 2011 through about February 2012, Steven D'Angelo, who was the technical director at Cryptic, took the helm, overseeing the release of Season 5, or as we all remember, the transition from a paid game to a free-to-play MMO. This time, however, Mr. Stahl isn't leaving the company. This time he's leaving Stowe to pursue a new project at Cryptic Studios. Some uber-secret project that no one seems to know much about. In turn, Mr. Steven D'Angelo returns to take the helm, and he's hit the ground running. Two blogs in a week's time, one being the announcement of, wait for it, Season 8.5. But before we move on to talk about the new content coming into Stowe, let's talk about this transition between executive producers. Now, back in 2011, D'Angelo was the acting executive producer until the role was filled. Is this happening again? So, is is this an interim thing? That's that that's my question. Is this because when he first took over in 2011, it was acting exec, right? And we knew that he wasn't the permanent executive producer. They even put job postings on on Cryptic's website. Has it been made clear? Yeah, I mean, my feeling is they've they haven't said anything that I've noticed that says that this is a temporary position. I have a feeling he's taking over indefinitely because they just haven't stated otherwise. Yeah, based on the uh, forum post that he made uh, today, actually, he says this position isn't a temporary one for me. I'm not sure how long my tenure will be, but I expect to be here for at least three or four updates, which. Uh, I take to mean major content updates, not like three or four patches. Now, there have been many naysayers, doomsday preppers, hitting up the STO forums, screaming, the end is nigh of STO, but isn't this always the case in MMO forums? Uh, But D'Angelo never dropped the ball, especially during what was really one of the most trying times for STO, the transition for free-to-play. Jarnan on the STO subreddit outlines it best. 2011 was a year of mostly no new content. That's because until summer 2011, Atari owned Cryptic Studios, and their idea of ongoing content development for an MMORPG was that it needed no ongoing content development. In the summer of 2011, Perfect World Entertainment bought out Cryptic from Atari, which meant Cryptic was going free to play like other 
PWE titles. This meant that all content development from summer 2011 until the end of 2011 was focused on getting STO free to play to fulfill their contractual obligation of the sale. Steven D'Angelo had nothing to do with that long period of no content in 2011. That blame rests solely on Atari for not understanding what an MMORPG is. Well, here's my big concern about about D'Angelo back at that helm. Not that he's incapable, right? Because Jarnan uh, from the STO subreddit makes some some great points. This man pretty much saw the transition into free-to-play, which is no small task. But he does have the tendency of being a bit tight-lipped, right? During his tenure as acting EP back in 2011, D'Angelo didn't really talk much to the community. However, in this case, already, he seems pretty actively engaged, at least in this, this first week with new dev blogs and replies on the forums. Still, though, even in that supplemental forum post, Jace, that you mentioned, he outright says that he'll probably communicate via dev blogs rather than in the forums since he's, quote-unquote, not a forum person. So, you know, you know, people uh, in the chat rooms are like, oh, you guys have to get an interview. You guys have to get an interview. Um, we'll certainly do our best. I'm a little concerned that he, he may not be as open to sitting down with a community, at least not one-on-one. Captains, you know that we do our best to get the cryptic developers on, as well as executive producers of Star Trek Online. We've had Daniel Stahl on the show plenty of times. Uh, So our goal is to hopefully maybe have the opportunity of sitting down with Mr. D'Angelo himself. You know, during the transition was a very rough time. But uh, I think now that Perfect World is at the helm, they've got a pretty solid marketing team, and they've got a pretty solid uh, method of doing things. And I I have a feeling he's going to be... he, he, He likes communicating through dev vlogs probably because... It's a requirement, and it's it's just what Perfect World has outlined for him. So I'm, I'm sure we'll hear stuff from him through the dev blogs, but yeah, we'll see what this uh, entails. Now you got to figure too that this has been going on in the background for at least the last month, right? At least at least a month. So the whole season 8.5 development was probably already under his watch. Yeah, that's it's very likely. I mean, there's no way they just sprung this on him. Yeah, th- I mean, there has to be a plan in place for any kind of major leadership transition like that. And he's not leaving. You know, he's not leaving Cryptic at least. You know, in, in this scenario he's moving on to whatever new project uh, they're working on which is cool and um, and again he D'Angelo did a great job 2011 sure was a, a bit of a content drought but there was a lot going on for Star Trek Online in 2011 um, things that threatened the future of the game you know switching from Atari to Perfect World uh, and here we are now about to celebrate our fourth year anniversary with season 8.5 and speaking of which we all knew that some fun stuff was coming with the celebration of Star Trek Online's fourth year anniversary event. At least a new featured episode, and probably a new and shiny ship. But just when you thought you had Cryptic all figured out, they come out and surprise players with not only a new featured episode, with a new voiceover, and a shiny new ship, but new game improvements and changes to events within Star Trek Online. So here's the rundown, and this is coming from Season 8 Dev Blog number 35. The first one being three new ships coming for the anniversary that incorporate Dyson technology. But it's not yet clear if it's three ships per faction or one for each faction. There's also a new featured episode with a Trek actor. Now, Skiffy, you had a theory about the trend we've been seeing in voice talent coming to Star Trek Online, correct? That's true. Now, you guys all had your theories last week, and, you know, of course, I've had the speculations as well. 
But uh, the trend I've been noticing and is that they've had a lot of security officer VO. I mean, we had uh, Tasha Yar, uh, Denise Crosby. We had Worf, uh, Michael Dorn. And what if we, we know the next voice actor is going to be somebody from uh, uh, from Voyager. So what if they get Tim Russ, who, of course, we all know is that Vulcan lieutenant from Generations. He wasn't in Voyager at all. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, Are you, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a note saying he played Tuvok. Oh, yeah, well, he was a security officer, too. He also played the ground recon that was combing the <laughs> desert in Spaceballs. Oh, and he also played uh, some bad guy in uh, one of the episodes of Sequest DSV. We also have 12 Federation missions from the Klingon War story arc that are being retouched. Although the term remastered is not being used. I guess that what is being considered a remastered episode is if, if they turn it almost nearly into a featured episode series, right? That's what's, I guess, what they're considering remastered. These, however, are being quote-unquote retouched, but we'll get more into that later. They've also announced that hourly events, like the bonus Marks Hour, will be replaced with weekend events, offering better rewards. However, some of the calendar events are being turned into daily missions. However, it's not yet been announced which will be converted. Uh, how do you feel about this hourly event calendar thing? I don't know. I'm a fan of it. Right? I'm not. A, I'm. I don't know that I'm a fan of the whole weekend MMO warrior thing. Like, let's think of people like James, our our, our wonderful host, who likes to take <laughs> their bikes up the valley on the weekends. Right? Or more realistically, the retail employee who rarely gets weekends off. At least these hourly events were, were beneficial in, in that sense, right? I, I generally could get on several times a week and catch one of these events going on live. And I was generally able to just get into it and, t and participate. And I've got to say, I, I tend to agree, although I, I get their point. I mean, they, they mentioned that a lot of the hourly events were being completely ignored, and I agree. I mean, there were only two or sometimes three that I ever cared about. Uh, the, the marks bonus, the three-hour marks bonus, being sure the most used. I'm sure by far. Yeah, I definitely am, am skeptical. I want to see how it's uh, implemented, um, especially with the, uh, I mean, not that a lot of people use the crafting system still, but if that goes away, does that mean anyone crafting in the meantime just always pays full price? Ooh, that's oh, a that's point. a very good point. I'm curious to know what what these extra bonus rewards are going to be. That has my eyebrow raised a little bit, you know, my brow raised. What type of rewards are we talking about here, you know, where people were able to go in, kind of plan their gaming with these calendared events, whereas now we may not know about the weekend event until you know, the Wednesday before. Uh, Brandflakes was in the forum saying that they will be putting these weekend events in the calendar. Not th There won't be an hourly, hourly calendar, but they'll be posted in the calendar so you can look ahead. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, all right, and now probably one of the most talked about or actually requested features is now coming in Season 8.5, on-demand ship selection. Woo! That's right, yes. on-demand ship swapping. Sector space and social zone ship swapping. There's also been a confirmation of multiple loadouts for each ship that will be saved. Saved! Saved! I'm so excited! I, I'm wondering how this is going to work. I mean, is it going to require a, a zone hop or an instant switch before it actually takes effect? Or are you going to be able to click a button and poof, your ship disappears and the other one's in its place? Because I, I, 
I can see that being a, a technical challenge, and there's probably going to be some bugs in their first iteration if it's just going to disappear and reappear with a different ship. I'm guessing that it will be similar to the uh, switching to your shuttle. Uh, you'll probably have to go under your bridge to do it, which would be my best guess, which would mean a zone transition, right? I'm having a hard time visualizing this, right? Like last night we were we were on TeamSpeak with, with Tanith, and we were talking about what, what is this going to look like? Uh, and Azurian Star also mentioned this on the forums, uh, or at least a similar point, about kind of, kind of, you know, my immersion. Where's my immersion? The You know, if I just select a ship and poof, I'm in it, that kind of takes me out of the feeling that I am a, a captain of a starship. Now it's just like a costume change in the middle of space. Tanith, for instance, had talked about an animation sequence that the ship you call would pull up beside you and, you know, maybe a little transporter effect or shuttle's crossing over to the bridge and then the old ship that you want to get rid of goes and warps off into the distance and boom you're in your new ship that would be nice right that would be outstanding yeah that'd be really cool i mean how many times in in tng did we see somebody transporting an admiral and you know an excelsior would pull up out of nowhere alongside the enterprise in orbit of some planet yeah i mean it's it's what you expect from a Star Trek experience, right? And all the recent content has been in that direction. More Trek, more feel of Trek, right? So uh, I hope that I hope that the method in which they present this does really well, right? It does justice to the, to the IP. It's not just you click it and then poof, ship. I also am curious about, about the mechanic behind this, right? Because, I mean, this is something that we've been clamoring for for a while. Not some new fancy schmancy mechanic, but more so the resolution to the headache that is switching ships. Because it's not just a matter of switching ships. It's a matter of your buffs get reset and your power tray gets reset. And if you switch between ships back and forth, it's just a a nightmare. You spend the first half hour of gameplay just reconfiguring everything. Yes. Yeah, if they can fix that... uh the boff tray layout that would be so nice and it sounds like they they're doing that right which is which sounds like they're doing that but i i'm curious to know what the mechanic is is this uh you know a few weeks back i recall bringing up the power tray and loadouts and and you know it being saved locally client side like in an mmo like the matrix online when i set my power tray a user profile was created on my computer now al rivera is always commenting on, about how much of a database mongler Star Trek Online can be. So I'm curious to know if if the information is being stored client-side, and if so, what file is that going to be? Because I'm going to want to back that up before I do any like system restores or system reformats on my computer so that I don't have to ever do this again. I never have to worry. I, I don't ever want to have to worry about my ship loadout ever again. Well, I have a feeling it's going to be uh, server-side. Gecko was on a Trek radio interview with David uh, about a month ago, and he did mention that they had cleaned up and, and found some database uh, cleanup and, and tightening up things, and they were able to now spend some of that excess power that they got from from compressing and from or reorganizing the database, and they were looking into new ways to to bring that out to players, bring new features out. The first of that came out as 100 extra DOF slots. You know what the problem is, and Jace, I don't know if you can talk to us a little bit about this with your uh, with previous experiences with other MMOs, but there has really been no other MMO that, that gives you the ability to swap out a key component of your gameplay uh, and then have to reset your power tray. Generally, in most MMOs, your power tray is what stays with you, you know, through thick and thin. 
Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I left WoW around the time that you could save multiple character builds and swap between them, like say have one for PvP and have one for raiding or one for soloing and one for groups. I don't really know what they did down the line after that. You know, even in an MMO like that, it's, it's you know, you're changing some core essentials of the gameplay. So I, I can't imagine it was an easy task to implement something like this. Uh, but I'm glad that, you know, they finally they finally are doing it where... Uh, it makes it less painful to swap out. Definitely. How about you, Captains? Of the Season 8.5 announcements, which are you looking forward to the most? Share your thoughts with us in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO157 or in the post for this episode on the official Star Trek online forums. Speaking of community... A very special thanks to Brainwave on the Stowe subreddit for bullet pointing the key highlights from D'Angelo's blog post. In Season 8, Dev Blog number 36, STO designer Jesse Heinig invites players to retry the newly retouched Federation missions in the Klingon War story arc. According to Jesse, the stories remain the same and much of the gameplay is still there, but we've tweaked the missions to be faster, more dynamic, and more visually interesting. Now, the blog goes into great detail about the changes made to missions, like the addition of mini-contacts, the little fly-out messages from boffs or enemies, new art and environments, tightened improved dialogue, and now career-specific options and accolades. That's right. Woohoo! <laughs> Jesse writes, if you're not playing a character of the appropriate career, fear not. You can still team up with someone and follow the alternative path and get credit for the new accolades that are included. They've listened to me. They've actually listened to me. Hooray! Okay, this is this is definitely no answer to the Holy Trinity, right? But it's a good first step, right? I'm not much of an accolade aficionado, right? I'm not. I don't try to go after every acc- accolade. But you know, it's it's a great first step. I'm glad that they're encouraging uh, captains of all careers to to do these missions together. Personally. Uh, I would love maybe the addition of level-appropriate weapons, uh, unique weapons for rolling with a career-mixed team and getting all three of them done, you know? Um, I don't know that it's enough with just an accolade. I- I'd love to see that little extra incentive to get all three accomplished in, in-, in a mission and-, and trying to get people together and a reason to go back to it and a reason to continue to do that. All of this fun, new, amazing content that we discussed, the, the, uh, the new featured episode with a voice actor... Uh, the 12 new missions, or I'm sorry, the 12 retouched missions, and of course the on-demand ship selection uh, will all be coming to Holodeck on January 30th, 2014. Before we move on, there's something I've been thinking about since reading one of Terry Lynn's recent Captain's Log articles on Massively.com. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. And it's about crafting, or at least a new method for players to receive endgame content. One thing that I always continuously here is you know about how the the reputation ends up being just a grind and and to get the loot gear it's the same thing over and over and i would love for there to be the ability like when you choose your your marks right why can't that be everywhere you know what is it holding them back from from putting that in more missions giving the players the ability to to select what marks they want to get when playing certain missions. Now, I can I can see that it may, it may not make sense to get Dyson marks when you're running the Klingon War story arc in, in your Federation, but 
maybe maybe the reputation system to get those awards. Maybe there needs to be a a, a merging of the reputation system with crafting, right? And and Al Rivera has talked a little bit about this, you know, or or, or well, he talks more about gem slotting and like doing the ground kits a little differently. But what if in crafting? What if you had to craft the the end loot gear from the reputation system? Instead of having to do the entire Dyson reputation system and every day go in and, you know, click on that one so I can just get 2,500 from my commendation to move up in the ranks. What if to get the gear, I can do whatever missions I want and each mission will reward a certain item or certain group of items? And depending on those items, the for, whatever blueprint is needed, whatever uh, specifications are needed, the reputation system would then be I have to slot these devices to create a Dyson deflector. And I can get these pieces from anywhere, from, you know, from the, the Klingon War story arc, or I can get them from the Deferi, right? Because they're, they're, they're technical pieces, Right, and then some pieces I'll need to do the Dyson event for. Right, I'll need to do Dyson marks because only Dyson technology could craft that item, or I can only do Federation because only Federation can craft an Aegis set or a Mako set. What if that's the direction that crafting goes into? Well, and I, what you're saying is is kind of along the line of thinking that I've had for a while, and it's that when they introduced the reputation system. I imagined that a few years down the road, they'd have a reputation for just about every species that you're ever going to fight. So at that point, they could go back to all the story missions, and anytime you encounter a Klingon, you get, you know, KDF, uh, you know, a Fed would get KDF reputation points, and every time you encounter a, a, a Fakiri, you'd get, you know, marks for theirs. So what, what you're saying is kind of along the line of thinking of that is just, you know, let, let's integrate the let, let's further integrate the rep system with story missions. Let's just let's just integrate it to make it all kind of a fluid concept. It also seems to bring up the the idea of maybe and you know this may be out on a limb, but being able to combine some of these technologies, like in the uh, 8.5, we're looking at ships that combine Dyson technology with our core factions technology, right? So what if there was an option where you could slot a Dyson project that you could use some Omega devices in and get some sort of, you know, uh, interesting hybrid technology out of that. That would be yeah, cool. Yeah, that's cool too. That is cool too. Well, and that goes back also to like uh, the uh, assimilated set that you can get from uh, your uh, Omega reputation. You know, when you slot that on different ships, it looks awesome. So what if we could mix technologies that way? You see, I've never been a crafter in any of the MMOs that I've been in. I've toyed with it. It adds a little bit of change to the monotony of just doing missions. But I think it would be fun if, in order to build, to get a Dyson deflector, I can do a task force mission or a federation mission that I know I'm going to get these parts for in order to compile it into a Dyson, into the, 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 the schematics for a Dyson deflector. So that players don't feel that redundant... Oh man! In order to get all the Dyson, all I can do is just Dyson, and I have to be in the Dyson sphere over and over and over again. Have you ever been into crafting much in in any of the other MMOs? Uh, I did a decent amount of it in World of Warcraft. I uh, did a lot of it in Dark Age of Camelot, which was very tedious. Um, in World of Warcraft, it it kind of was if you want the the gear from a certain area, you did have to very much focus on that area for certain. 
uh, rare dropped items or uh, obscure components. And I just wonder if they would ever consider implementing something like you're suggesting because uh, I really think one of their stated goals is to promote a certain amount of utilization of that content if you want that set of items. Well, I'm not saying totally abandon Dyson, right? So if I want a Dyson deflector, I'm going to have to get components from the Dyson sphere or some sort. So I'm not tol- I'm not saying totally abandon it, but not make it so hyper-focused in the Dyson sphere, right? Because that's when people start complaining, oh, it's a grind, it's a grind, it's a grind. Right. Maybe make each rep require a little bit of something from each of the others. Did uh, either of you guys ever play Star Wars Galaxies? Oh, yeah. Get out of here. You're fired. <laughs> That uh, I have yet to find a game that has an uh, such an amazing and well integrated and diverse uh, crafting system as Star Wars Galaxies. I mean, it, it was to the point where you could you could get hop in your ship, go into space, shoot asteroids for minerals, come back. You you lived in a player run community, a player run town, and if you were a crafting town, you got a crafting bonus. And you would build your own machines for crafting. And if you did a good enough job doing those, then you could get all the materials and build awesome gear better than everyone else's. And it was just, it was so, so intricate. I yearn for the days of Star Wars Galaxies again. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about Star Wars Galaxies. I think I'd kind of blotted that out of my uh, memory temporarily. Thanks for that. But you're right about the crafting component. My dad was actually a huge Star Wars Galaxies player and, and focused on that. Uh, and it was very much like you described. I, I would be hard-pressed to make a comparison with that. Yeah, I have heard that uh, the crafting in, in Star Wars Galaxies was very robust. Well, that wraps up this week in Star Trek Online News. Let's open up the foundry for this week's UGC Mission Review by Chivalry Bean. Chivalry Bean here with this week's Foundry Officer Report. This time I ventured to the Regulus Sector for a Relic's Return, Parts 1 and 2, by Armsman. A Relic's Return takes you on a diplomatic mission to a planet considering joining the Federation, but an ancient relic they had was stolen, and they would like the Federation to get it back for them. Along the way you will encounter some combat, intrigue, and touchstoning on several original series episodes. The combat is scattered around the mission, space and ground. It makes sense for it to be there, but this isn't what I would call a combat mission. Along the way you will learn about the planet, its people, and the relic they found, and who took it. It is a good story, and part 1 sets it up nicely. The bulk of it all happens in part 2. There is quite a bit of exposition, and I really like the story Armsman tells. It revolves around one of my favorite characters from the original series, that was not on the bridge crew. No spoilers here, however. Some things to note for the player. Part 1 is a lot shorter than Part 2. The end feels well placed when you get there, but at some point during Part 2 you might think this is a lot longer than expected. It's not bad, just set aside the time if you want to get the most out of it. I think together, both played back-to-back was about an hour. The biggest area for improvement would be the exposition sections in part two. While I enjoyed the story, there was lots of me just reading screen after screen of text. Interesting text to be true, but no interaction. My suggestion would be to give the player response options. Even if they don't change the dialogue, it would be an active thing to do. A Relic's Return delivers a good story and some solid building off 
Trek episodes. I recommend you give it a shot. Now it's time for feedback. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, Captains, we're in the part of the show where we review your feedback for episode 156. Now, we want to remind everyone that last week's community questions were, if money was no object, how would you decorate your home? What must-have replicas would you install or create? The second question, who do you think was the mystery guest in the sound booth with Brandon in L.A.? Jace, why don't you take our first write-in? Okay, from Raven... As far as Ark is concerned, when people realize their machine is one big spy on its own, then Ark doesn't seem so bad. Also, if it's affecting their gameplay, then it's time to upgrade that antiquated piece of equipment. I tend to agree a little bit with Raven here. Uh, you know, it's it's... You see, I like to give this analogy at work. The moment you're connected to the internet, you might as well be riding on a subway car in New York City. There's no privacy. There's no, there's no safety. You know, you'll catch a flu iris or somebody will pickpocket you nsa um you know it's it's just the way of the world we we use this internet thing here so um i think the problem is the way that arc has been introduced but we'll we'll move on we'll save some of the feedback because some people have some um interesting comments like rob dmc he writes the arc controversy is getting way out of hand with little information in it i also have no use for arc i think they dropped the ball on this one big time I think the only way to prevent this from being a complete PR disaster is to integrate the gateway into ARC and turn it into a social network hub. Oh my god, I said this last week. Let me see when my friends are online. Let me look at their builds and allow me to leave comments. Let me see my fleet starbase progression and the rep system activity. Uh, Also, starbase progression you can see already in the uh, gateway. So he wants Gateway to be integrated with ARC? Yes, which is what I said. I said that last week, is that Gateway should be... 100% 100% integrated with ARC. Tony painted this picture further last week is that the problem with ARC is not that it exists, but that at this point it exists for no reason, right? There's yeah. no feature, there's no functionality. It's just another launcher. Then you have things like it installing a plugin on your browser, like Origin does. And nobody knew about this plugin, you know? he it, uh, Noel didn't mention anything about the plugin in his communication with us. And I'm not saying he didn't do it on purpose, but probably was something that the developers didn't think about. I think there's just, there, it's shrouded in so much, oh my gosh, they're spying, oh my gosh, it's slowing me down, oh my gosh, this. And, and there's not enough features to boast about the project. If it had, and, and Rob goes on to say, if it had gotten core content connected, instead of develop developing a separate web gateway technology then everybody would probably be all over it and i tend to agree if this had been integrated with gateway if we had seen core star trek technologies integrated into arc even in beta or if it had been announced that listen this is our ultimate plan then i think the arc pill would be much easier to swallow i have a feeling that it's it's a low priority for them to integrate features because that requires development on something that isn't integrated yet. So I, I think they're doing things backwards and we would like them to do them the other way, but they're going to force ARC on us first and then add the features later because they want to try to get this metrics data as fast as possible. Jace, what are your thoughts about ARC? Well, I have mixed feelings. I know last week you, you talked about your own personal experiences with Origin, which uh, I share. I had to get set up with Origin for one game back when I used it and it was kind of irritating. And 
I don't have any plans to play any other MMOs, uh, Perfect World or otherwise. Uh, maybe Ark will change my mind. It doesn't seem likely to me. So to me, it's just a, another hoop to jump through. Um, I don't have strong opinions or you know any kind of conspiracy theories about it. I just don't need it. Don't want it. Don't care. Now, if they had, if they announced this and said, "Oh, Ark is going to integrate X Y Z into the whole shebang," would you be a little more inclined to download it? Maybe, but honestly, it's hard for me to see what kind of features I would really uh, find worthwhile. My time to play is usually somewhat limited. I really just want to get in the game and, and enjoy whatever new features are in the game. The other stuff is extraneous. What if Ark included the DOF system? The thing about the DOF system is that, you know, we've been asking for a mobile DOF game. We've been asking for Star Trek Online to move into the mobile platform somehow. And I think that the DOF system would be an amazing opportunity. Well, my concern there is now you're proposing that our mobile devices will need to have Arc then. Not just Gateway, not just a web portal, but probably an actual Arc client. And that means they can get metrics from our mobile devices. Ooh, I'm so scared because already Google's not doing enough of that. Or Apple, for that matter. Well, I, no, I'm right there with you. I, I know that everybody everybody is spying. It's it's a corporate thing. It's it's you know they want as much metrics as they can so that they can make better products, and that's the uh, that's the happier version of what they're doing with that. But still, I mean, I don't really like it. I mean, if there was an Origin app for your Android phone, would you download it? Um, no, because I hated Origin because it had absolutely no functionality. But if Arc had functionality, if Arc gave me the ability to to launch DOF missions or sell or buy on the exchange, manage my my ship loadouts, I would download that in a heartbeat. I'd pay $60 for that. Whoa, now you're paying for ARC, which I'm sure they would gladly sell you. Well, and you know, I'm sure they could do an in-app purchase type model to allow you to expand your DOF slots, buy DOF packs, that sort of thing. Well, we do know that Cryptic was interested in, in mobile game development, and that was covered a couple months ago we learned of that, didn't we? Maybe an ARC client, an ARC app is the way they're going to do that. Moving on. From the forums, Ukami87 writes in regarding the mystery guest, My guess is Harry Kim. Personally, I'd like to see Neelix again. After all, what's happened to our ambassador of the Delta Quadrant since Voyager got out of comm range from him? Here's hoping they come up with a Voyager in-game bridge bundle along with the, whoever this voice actor is. And I agree completely. It would be nice to have a proper Voyager set to go along with it. Here's what I'm going to say about bridges and um, that kind of stuff. Boo, I don't want it. Don't waste the art time. And I know that there are several people who wrote in uh, who share in that sentiment. <gasps> I'm going to defend the bridges for uh, the RP community. While I'm not an active role player, I, I do know they like to have as many options as possible. And I do, while there, there's not a lot of functionality in the bridges, I do enjoy to go and hang out in them a little bit. When was the last time you went into your bridge? I use my Sulaban cell ship bridge daily. Okay, that's different, though, because that ship nah, has that's functionality. That's not what you said. <laughs> now, that's another thing, too. If they allow me to sh uh, switch ships in sector space, that's going to make my, my Tuffly and my Sulaban cell ships much less useful. Yeah, I've, I've seen that concern posted on uh, Reddit as well. 
about the the Sulaban ship and the Tuffley being a little bit uh, not obsoleted, but definitely decreased in value. Yeah, but it's not just the ship change, though, right? It's the, the these ships give a lot of a lot more functionality. True, but when you, I mean, they have such a limited purpose as it is. I mean, they're not really combat vessels. They have the power of a shuttle, as far as as far as firepower is concerned. So when you take away a feature that was exclusive to them, it makes them a little less valuable and a little less useful. Sure. Orangitis writes in, I think it's Tim Russ, and not because of the rumors. Wishful thinking suggests that it's Jennifer Lean, but that would probably require Kess to pull a Tasha Yar, and I'm not sure I'd want that much. It would fit in the story pretty well, because the way she left the series, I mean, they could easily write her back in. I mean, that's the other thing we got to keep in mind. I'm sure they'll find a way to write in whoever it is. If it is uh, Ensign Kim, well, that actually works too. But they can find a way to write in anybody. I mean, Kestrel's really good about that. But uh, it does make it easier if it's somebody that fits easily in the story. Tim Russ would be kind of neat. I mean, he's active in the community because of uh, Renegades. So that would sort of tie in. And as far as I know, he is in L.A. Like, we, we kind of ruled out Janeway because she's in New York. All right, so Seth PC writes in, Man, there is so much whining about Ark. If I hadn't already been through something similar, I'd be annoyed. NCSoft did the same thing a few years back with their NC launcher program. Like Ark, it was basically a single front-end installer or launcher for all their MMOs. Also, like Ark, there was much gnashing and, and wailing about its very existence. And in fairness, the first version of NC launcher was terrible. If it eats bandwidth, uses you as a peer-to-peer connection or spies on you, then verify it, provide constructive feedback, and uninstall it. I'm fairly sure PWE doesn't want to lose players over a launcher program. And I agree. Again, this was something I said last week, if not the week before, about ARC. If you notice that it's phoning home a bit too much, take a snapshot of that. Uh, if it's scanning hard drive, if it's eating up some processing space, take a screenshot of it, post it on the forums. Uh, if there's a an unknown plugin that suddenly installs on your browser... Take a snapshot of it and post it. That's the best. It's it's a matter of constructive feedback, not just complaining that it's coming, but offering ideas of how to improve it. And as far as losing players, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those situations just like the lockbox. Everybody complained and whined about the lockbox for the first three months, and uh, after a while, we just kind of came to accept it. And now there's, I mean, heck, I even look forward to the next lockbox to see what what new things it'll bring. Yeah, and things like linking our accounts, I, I, it took me a moment to even think of what the last thing was that started out as optional that then later we had to mandatorily do because, I, I mean, it had blown so completely over that I just hadn't even thought of it in so long. Oh, yeah, the cryptic account to Perfect World account linking was a, one of those deals. All right, uh, Tawani writes in, Elijah, you mentioned moving to North Carolina, which I did from Ohio. Let me just say, it's rare to find homes with basements around here. The dirt is really clay, so it's few and far between that you would find a nice home with a basement. Just saying. Noted, noted. Thank you. If I could build my own home, it would be circular. Because let's face it, how awesome would it be to have circular hallways on the outside of your home with all your rooms inward and then an open center courtyard in the middle? You could make it like Starfleet headquarters. I just need to win the lotto. MJ Bird comments, I play KDF and I would love a fireplace in my man cave. So I have a place to put a batleth. Lots of shelf space for my collection and a place to play Star Trek online. What more does a man need, really? Place to put your batleth, shelf space, and a place to play STO. 
<laughs> that is truth. That is 100% truth. Mark writes in, my ultimate budget would be ambitious. I would want to build a working replica of the engineering room and offices from Star Trek The Next Generation with a pulsing two-story engine housed inside. If I truly have no budget, then I might actually try to have it made as a working geothermal intake, allowing it to actually power the rest of the house, and perhaps my neighborhood too. And then the world. And then the world. (laughs) (laughs) As for the voiceover work being done, I'm placing a bet on Tim Russ, Tuvok, from Voyager, as he was in the area for his band near the same time. Well, look at these people doing their research. Finding out that he was uh, in the area with his band. We hear from Kiro13. Hello, P1. That's us. Lovely show last week. Why, thank you. For my ultimate Trekkie basement, I would have the Origin Bridge from Stowe. That is a beautiful one. Uh, It is a very classy setup, large enough for your family and friends, and you have a triple monitor setup built in. Another thing I would like would be a physical model of my ship in Stowe. Not just a model of the ship class, but my ship with its custom parts, paint job, windows, not to mention name and registry number. If it had some sound effects buttons on the side for warp speed, phaser fire, and such, it would be awesome. I would pay something around $60 for that. Thank you for writing in. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Listen, you know what? Adrienne, uh, our community manager here at Priority One, posted a a thing on Facebook about a sci-fi hotel that might be coming to the United States and a bar by this amazing artist that does a lot of movies, like he did Prometheus, I think, and biomechanical architecture kind of deal. I did a little research on it, and I went to their gallery, and their gallery is really just a Pinterest. And I found in the Pinterest a TNG home theater, right? So it was the Bridge of the Galaxy, but it was chairs, all captain's chairs as the theater chairs, uh, with little consoles, and then a big screen TV at the end. That would be my home theater. And then you see the TNG panels on the bridge. It was it was just epic. I'd pay $60 for that. <laughs> Every week we get new followers and new shares and new likes on Facebook. And we want to thank each and every one of you for following us throughout the week, not just on Thursdays and Mondays. Uh, a special shout-out to all of our new followers on Twitter and on Facebook. And, Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So let us know what you think of the show or submit your responses for our community questions in the comments section for this episode on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. And now we've introduced a new way for you to leave feedback. You can give us a call and leave a voice message. Just visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and use our SpeakPipe widget, or you can give us a call. Our local number is 609-619-0834. Standard rates may apply. If neither of those work, shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com with a short mp3 recording and just a reminder this week's community question is of the season 8.5 announcements which are you looking forward to the most please share your thoughts with us in our comments section for this episode on priority one podcast.com forward slash po157 or in the post for this episode on the official star trek online forums well that wraps up episode 157 of priority one podcast recorded live on trekradio.net Remember, we record Thursday nights live on Trek Radio starting at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 
and it'd be 9.30 p.m. Elliot time. As you know, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, idea, or topic for any of our segments, or you have general feedback about this episode, or you want to tell them how much you love the community guest host, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also send us a voice message through SpeakPipe, telephone call, or record your own short message. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. Priority One is brought to you by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. And again, a very, very special thanks to everyone who has contributed and continues to do so. And don't forget to check out Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One podcast, including our new audio engineer and special guest host this week, Skiffy, as well as this week's community guest host, Jace. Thank you for joining me this week, gentlemen. And thank you for having us. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. Most importantly, a big thank you to the Star Trek online community and our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Continue. You can continue to support. There's a shillelagh. <laughs> you can continue to support Priority One with real world. Do- I appreciate you leading by you can- example. I know that. Yes, yes. This time, however, Mr. Stall wait, isn't. Wait, let me let me let me interrupt just for a second. Sure. Uh, yo, Jace, your your typing is picking up on the mic. <laughs> That's right. I mean, the nice thing about being on our our independent tracks is that. That, Skiffy can do that in post. Oh yeah, that's that's what my Emmys are good for. I use them to cut out the, the bad sounds. That was kind of nice ambiance, actually. It made it sound like we were really technical and high tech. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So go ahead. No uh, three, two. I may not trade. I may not take that trip to Burma. <laughs> oh, but you'll regret it if you don't. I mean, Burma is the best place. Hooray! And when no, I read I this, you were the first person I thought of. It's like, oh, yes. he's going to think it was him. <laughs> Although I am a Kirk's protege. Just saying. Um, Tough guy over here. <laughs> just trying. Just Sorry, trying. I can't hear you over the names you're dropping. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Skiffy, insert this into right after the review of the community questions. In addition to the community questions, we also had several people writing in about their concerns of the ARC beta 
currently occurring, uh, currently available to, currently available to players uh, on. I'll I'll write it later. I'll, but good. <laughs> it's okay. I'll fix that in post. <laughs> yeah, fix that. Fix that in post. I'll write it later and then read it. In the meantime, let's move on. And just a reminder, Dix. I had gas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Looper. Where's where's the community question? Okay. Well, that wraps up episode 157 or 157 of Priority One podcast, recorded well, I, live. Can you start again. Say it again. Oh, okay, fine. Well, that wraps up episode. Uh, threw off my groove, man. Threw off his groove. And by the way, I believe that was two-time Emmy award-winning audio engineer. That's, That's true. right. True. That's right. True. I, I just use them as back scratchers these days. <laughs> By the way, can the Hispanic finally say the sponsor segment in the beginning of the show, please? The only Hispanic in this freaking podcast. You know, podcast. I've always wondered about that. No, I'm going to record my own. <laughs> I thought maybe you were just trying to no, go against type. Playa, 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 playa Escondida. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a condition. Yeah, I got this. I got this. Found the part of my office where the floor squeaks. I need to remember this. Gotta move. Squeaking. The biggest area of your <laughs> Good, good. I like that. That was good.